Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Eminem Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum, and today we got a bunch of news to talk about. It was shaping up to look like maybe a quiet week because we had posted on Monday of this past week, but uh, no, plenty of stuff has uh, taken uh, place over the past really day or two, honestly. Um, let's start with, uh, we'll, we'll go team by team here, and we'll start with some Boston news. Um, Tuka Rask is unfortunately calling it a career. Uh, he tried obviously to make a comeback this year, only played a couple games, uh, uh, didn't look great in them, to be honest. And, and uh, unsurprisingly, we find out that his hip was acting up again and uh, he's decided it's not worth it and uh, it's gone in the career. So he, he finished this uh, this year with four games played, a 4-2.28 goals against average and 8.44 save percentage. Uh, very uncharacteristic, uh, uncharacteristic of his career as he was a 921 goalie over the course of about 15, 16 years uh, in the NHL, starting back all the way in 07, 08, uh, really full-time though in 09, 10, I guess. Um, I, there's not much to say other than congrats to Rask on a great career and honestly one of the more underrated goalies of his generation or his era. Yeah, I'm kind of going to miss Tuca, actually, as much as I hate the Bruins, like, unless you're a true goalie purist, which even the vast majority of hardcore fans are not, like, good goalies tend to be incredibly boring. Like, watching Carey Price have perfect positioning isn't fun to me, even as, like, a former goalie who really, really loves the sport of hockey. But, like, Tuka Rask was one of the few goalies who was really fun to watch, at least, too, and on top of being very, very good. Yeah, and Bruins fans seem to hate him for some reason, so it made him even more easy to like. Yeah, it's so funny. Like, um, I'm sure I brought this up plenty of times on here, but like, I'm a pretty big Patriots fan, so I get a lot of spillover into just Boston Twitter in general for obvious reasons. Like, how Leafs fans will see stuff with the Raptors, even though, even if they don't care about them. People fucking hate to grasp. He got blamed for so many playoff losses where he had like a 9-15 in the playoffs. It's like, what do you want this man to do? Yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous. Because, like, he's not literally the best goalie of the generation. And where he shows up um, on these lists will depend on the metric you're using. But, like, I'm looking at war on evolving hockey right now. And if you just go all the way back to 2007, 2008, when you got fancy stats... Like, he's eighth in war in the entire league. Like, he's a fantastic goalie. Yeah, like, I, I would say, you know, it, it depends how was. you rate it, too. Like, it, it depends how if you go peak versus longevity, because, like, who would you argue is a better goalie, him or Price? I, I don't know if there's a right answer. Price was Price peak was better than Rask in terms of, like, the two periods of dominance that Price had, but... Rask was a much better goalie for the last four or five years than Price has been, right? So, yeah, if I had to guess, like goals saved above average or expected, like the above average metrics, because expected is naturally comparing to average, even though average is in the name, would probably favor Rask. And then, like, war would favor Price because there was still value of Price being like a 40th percentile goalie, even though the goal saved above average will punish it. So kind of like it, yeah. The metric you choose will have a lot of influence there, and it kind of says a little bit. But yeah, either way, Rask will come up right near the top. Yeah, he was he was just a, a very solid goaltender for his entire career. Um, he never reminded me of a guy who would absolutely steal a season or anything for Boston, but it was just 
exactly what a very good Boston team needed for the better part of a decade. And yeah, and he probably could have if Boston ever needed him to, but he got very lucky in the sense that Boston never really asked him to. Yeah, exactly. And like in classic Boston fashion, you know, and I think part of the reason that Boston fans really, um, I don't know. And I shouldn't like say, cause there is like, it's a, it, it feels like that fan base is half and half split. You have the half defenders of him who might even go too far and in defending him. And then you have the half people who think he was, he hasn't been an NHL level goalie for four years. And, um, but you know, like, I, I think part of the reason the people who think that latter way is because he's the one who replaced uh, Tim Thomas coming off of that uh, cup win in 2011. Yeah. So it, that's big choose to fill just in terms of what he did. But like you look, like they went on some monster. Uh, he was obviously the goalie that took him to the cup finals where they lost to the Hawks in six. Uh, he was the goalie that took him to the cup finals where they lost the blues in seven. So you get a goal or two that bounced the other way. And suddenly like Rask could have been a two times starting goalie Stanley cup champion, you know? Yeah. hundred percent. Like he had two trip to the cup finals and his save percentage in those playoffs was a nine forty in the first one and nine thirty four in the second one. Like Price isn't, a, or uh, Rask isn't a Stanley Cup champion, but that is definitely not his fault. Yes, exactly. And it's it's um, one of those things where it shows just how fucking spoiled Boston sports fans are because that is yeah. deemed unacceptable to them. Like, I forget who, I think it was the Overdrive I was listening to, but it's like, just imagine how spoiled you would be if you were bo- born in Boston in like two. Th- 1995 let's say because you would be about six seven years old right as the pats started their dynasty the celtics have won a couple trophies uh the the bruins have been for like just forever good and obviously have their cup in 11 uh and um the red sox have won they won in 04 uh i want to say in 2000 12 maybe and then 18 as well so they have three world series in the past 20 years too like it is just a spoiled spoiled for uh, sports down and seeing like how disappointed they are at only two stanley cup births uh final birth sorry is uh kind of just proves that yeah 100 percent. like i i think depending on you the cutoff you use he's like third all time in regular season save percentage and he gets better in the playoffs <laughs> Yeah, so um, I got a controversial figure. Yeah, it, it's absolutely wild. But uh, kudos to Tukarask had a had an incredible career. Obviously, we're big fans of them uh, on, of him on this podcast. Um, he won a Vesna in 2013-14, too. I did not know he won one, um, but good for him. Fifty eight games played, a nine thirty save percentage. Yeah, that'll do it. Uh, yeah. two, two goals against average. Yeah, that'll that'll do it. Um, the the big question for me now is, you know, where does Boston go from here? Because they they signed Olmark to that big deal. You know, they were kind of planning on, I, I think regardless of even if Tuca came back and played pretty well this year, this kind of felt like it might have been his last year anyways. You know, like yeah. how, how many times do you see a guy take the half the year off and then truly come back and play like four more years after that, right? So they yeah. they clearly Especially signed a goalie at 34 with He's already been missing time. Like Yeah, lower body injury too, right? Um, like his his career games played has been de- or his season game played has been declining since 2016-17. Now COVID will kind of exacerbate that, but like let's be honest here, he wasn't going to be playing 60 games. No, um, and you know so they they signed Olmark this offseason with a five mil four year deal, um, and, and Olmark hasn't been great this year. And you know Swayman's been all right, but 
can this team, their underlyings are still very, very strong. This is a good team. Don't get me wrong. But with this goaltending duo, do you have confidence that this team is going to be able to catch up to, especially the big three in the Atlantic, but, you know, be able to make another kind of run with this current core? Um, They have a shot at a run, that's for sure. But, like, their goalies are really punishing them. They're the best defensive team in the league by by a decent margin and they're not getting the best defensive results or even like top 10 in terms of goals against. So like, and the, the teams around them are just so good. You can't afford that if you really want to hang with the top three in that division. Yeah. I think it's funny too, because I feel like I've done a 180 to the general consensus coming into the year. I think you were kind of like, you were very much on my bandwagon here too, where everyone wanted to write Toronto because they played in the weak North division or whatever off as like the team that's going to drastically fall out of the top three and, you know, can't compete with the big guys in the Atlantic. And that got disproven about two weeks in, whereas you and I at the start of the season were like, if there's one team that isn't going to hang with the top four, it's Boston. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, that's kind of what happened. And now it's kind of like, I think we maybe done a 180 where it's like, Oh, no. Okay. Hold on. This team's not as bad as like the general public seems to just want to completely write this team off. Yeah. Which is kind of nuts because like if they're in the Pacific, they're the best team in the Pacific this year. If they're in the metropolitan, they might, they're, they're definitely worse than Carolina, but in terms of true talent, they're probably like the second best team in the division. Like they're still a really good team. Yeah. Like, it's just that the others around them got better somehow. Yeah. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, no, they're not a Colorado or a Vegas at full strength, maybe. But they're definitely still right in that tier below, maybe two tiers below. But they're still one of 10 teams I could see winning a cup. And that wouldn't be crazy or anything, right? Like, Yeah, I think they, they'd probably be behind Carolina and above like Pittsburgh, maybe. Mm-hmm. Yep. In that kind of tier B of cup contenders, like the Avs, Knights, assuming they get healthy, Panthers, Lightning, and Leafs, I think are like a distinct tier of true contenders. And then there's kind of that second tier of teams that you could easily see winning it, but they need slightly more to go right. I think Boston's right in there. Yeah, I agree. I, I would say my tiers would be like, excuse me. Uh, I think Tampa's got to be up on the top tier no matter what, just because they fruit. If you really want to go aggressive, I could say Tampa, Vegas, Colorado in their like tier. And then you have Toronto, Florida, Carolina, I would group in there right behind. And the reason I put Car- Carolina, excuse me, with uh, Toronto is just because their division is easier in terms of like, there's not the top heavy giants, like Pittsburgh's still a good team. And even like Washington and the rain, like the Rangers have a unreal goal. You know, they have a lot of high end talent. You can't sleep on them in a four game series or anything, but I would much rather face the Rangers or even the Penguins today than I would the Leafs uh, lightning or Panthers. Right. Oh yeah. Carolina actually might end up with a thing where they're the most likely team to win the East, despite being like fourth in team strength because of the way the divisions shake out. Yeah, absolutely. And that was the kind of the classic, um, um, 
Atlanta, it used to be flopped when, you know, you had uh, the uh, dominant uh, Pittsburgh and Washington teams every year. And then, you know, Philly or New York would also, New York was really good in the mid two thousands for a little bit there, or at least they had peak Hank and that went a long way. Um, You know, so it used to be flipped where it's like, whoever's coming out of the Atlantic is the team that, you know, might have the best odds to make it all the way through, even though they're severely less like, not nearly as good as the other three or four Metro teams. A hundred percent. It also, it's also funny seeing people on Twitter. <laughs> Obviously they're going to complain about the Atlantic and it does suck to be fair, being like, Oh, the NHL needs to do something about this. We're like four years removed <laughs> from talking about the metropolitan and saying, Oh, the NHL needs to do something about this. Sen's Twitter is getting a laugh because it's like, yeah, this is time of the year where Leafs Twitter is absolutely melting down over their playoff matchup as if they didn't just choke a 3-1 lead to the Montreal Canadiens, who were 17th ranked in the league last year. And the year before that, lost to the Columbus Blue Jackets in a five-game series. Like, give me a break. Yeah, as much as, I, uh, as much as I'm more willing to say those playoff results are noise than most people you did make your own bed. It's time to lie in it. Jesus Christ. Yeah, you can't you can't then turn around and bitch about it. And like even the thing, like I get it. Like, yes, the playoff system's flawed. I don't agree that it should be division. I think it should be by conference. Yeah, if we sort it of, used to be, right? I used to be, I think, the top the division winner. So there used to be three divisions in the conference. The three division winners got the top seed no matter what. And then you the, the five teams were wild cards after that. Um, but it was, it was much closer, right. Than you know, three from each automatically being in, it was just one from all three. Um, but like if you sorted by points percentage right now, and we just went one through eight in the conference, the Toronto Maple Leafs are playing the Pittsburgh Penguins in round one. Yeah. It's not that much easier. No. And, and like, they're a game away from playing like, or not a game away. Sorry. That, that, that's a bit of a stretch, but they're about, uh, a Three points away. Yeah. Like if Pittsburgh beat Tampa tonight, uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are playing Tampa in round one. Yep. So like, like you're going to like, there's just the, the East is just that good where it's like, yeah. The East like, is just stacked. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, obviously. And then probably, again, do you remember when we were kids and the West was way too stacked? Mm-hmm, yeah. Like, like how many times did San Jose, how many times did San Jose fans complain because St. they had to run up the, yeah, LA and Chicago year after year. Right. Yeah, or at St. Louis running into them, LA and Chicago having to run into each other. Like these things just kind of happen naturally. Yeah, exactly. And it's annoying, but it's okay. And if you try to fix them constantly, you're going to be chasing your own tail because they change very, very quickly. Yeah, 100%. It's, um, I just, yeah, I, I really, I, I will fully admit, like, I will fully be open to saying, like, Sure. If you wanted to switch to a one versus eight in the conference kind of thing, I would be open to that. I, I you know, but like at the same time too, like hell, even they, one to 16 in the league. Yeah. I would be open. I, I think they would not want to do that because of travel, like travel. Yeah. Travel would make that. Like, and because so, involved. especially although, with the league, I, although why would Pittsburgh playing like, or say Toronto playing Winnipeg be better or worse than Florida? Uh, yeah, I feel like that wouldn't be bad, but like Toronto having to switch time zones and play Vancouver for their yeah. first round or whatever would suck. And especially yeah. like, imagine if you have to go like Vancouver and then you play like LA or California team second or Chicago second or whatever. 
Yeah, like, and like that could be annoying. But I'm thinking specifically the Atlantic. Like Florida is way farther away from Toronto, Ottawa, and Detroit and Montreal than like a lot of the league. All yeah. of the Eastern Conference, basically. My bigger pushback, I think, in terms of the league schedule or one to sixteen is that the schedules aren't balanced. You can't equally judge the league because Toronto only plays every Western team twice twice, right? Like like Colorado yeah. has an objectively easier schedule than any of the top East teams because like Toronto has to play Florida four times and Tampa four times and Boston four times and Pittsburgh three times, whereas Colorado faces all those teams twice and that's it. Yeah. So although my, my problem would help there. What if they'll like, cause at least you'd have to go through the East in the playoffs. Sure. But like, I would, I don't know. I, to, to me, I think like, the rank, like the a team like Colorado, would get an advantage of being higher up in the standings because they have an easier schedule overall. Yeah, maybe, like that's going to exist anyways. But then mm-hmm. at least you would be playing, say, Pittsburgh instead of uh, the Ducks or well, Minnesota. Or to something. be fair, they'd be playing the Ducks right now. I'm I'm just sorting my win percentage right now, and yeah, like that's how aggressively heavy it is too. And I think that's I, insane. I, I think part of it is too, because I I, I want to say there's probably been a bunch of like interconference play already. Like usually by the end of the year is where they shift to more divisional matchups. Yeah. Um, so I, I am assuming by the end of the year, because like right now by winning percentage or points percentage, sorry, Carolina, Florida, it goes Colorado, Carolina, Florida, Toronto, Tampa, Minnesota, the Rangers, Pittsburgh. Uh, so out of your top eight there, six of them are in the East. Like that, that I, I doubt yeah. that it'll be that aggressive by the end of the year. I, I think the Rangers and maybe even Pittsburgh will slip, but like, I don't know. Like to me, I've never really understood the whole, we need a one verse 16 kind of thing. Um, I, like, no, you, you don't like go, need it. If you, you want to go don't. one verse eight, I, I would be more open to that. I think you could even still make the argument that a one verse eight, the sket, the, uh, you would probably have to make it. So you play both divisions the same amount of times, but I, I don't know. They used to do one verse eight with not without balancing that, right? Uh, I don't know. I, I really maybe, but I for some reason I want to say that the division winners have always been the top three, but they Could might be. have. I don't really remember. It's been like a while. Me, me either. If I'm being completely honest, and I don't know. Like the, the other argument to this, I guess, is just like if you're gonna win a cup, you're gonna run into good teams eventually, right? And like. Don't get yep. me wrong. I would much rather run in the good teams in round two, three, or four than I would in round one, two, three, and four. But um, at the same time, like, there's only so much complaint. Like, if you're really going to be complaining that we faced a good team in round two, it's like, well, you probably weren't built for the cup then. Like, if you if you needed to beat one, if there's one team you needed to beat, you need them in a very specific round. Like, I don't want to tell you. Yeah, it basically ends up mattering most when you've decided that, like agnostic of team strength you're going to melt the fuck down and blow up the team if you lose in the first round which well and so uh, yeah, that that's a big thing too right is like teams are really because like one of the well two of the panthers unless boston plays a metro team and wins but like very likely two of boston toronto florida and tampa are going to be out in the first round looking at this as like an insanely disappointing season this year yeah when in reality it's just a near certainty that two of them are screwed. Yeah, and it's a guarantee one of them is, and the other, and another one will be screwed in round two. Yep. 
So, you know, you can almost have to look at it different and it depends on the organization. Cause you know, like I, and I almost understand why Leaf fans wouldn't take that as an excuse because that's the seventh kick at the can. And it's like, okay, well, one of these times, what are we going to do to break through? But at the same time, like that is just kind of what happens sometimes, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like it's not an excuse because again, to win, you do have to be good teams, but it's just kind of, um, once all that stupid shit has happened in the past, uh, stuff like this is going to happen, right? You've Well, and like an excuse and a reason can be two different things, right? Like yeah. Kyle Dubas can look at this offseason and be like, hey, here's where we are. And just like I think he did last offseason too. He brought in more defensive minded guy in like David Camp, who is still a good player. But he didn't use the excuse of losing in the first round as I need to blow this core up and start over or like trade Mitch Marner, right? Yeah, and now they're on pace to, uh, I think, beat the team. Team. Well, they're just supposed to of... annihilate the points record for their team. They're on pace for 120 points. It was 105 yeah. set back in the second year of Bab or third year of Babcock. Yeah, and the takeaway from it uh, will be blow this thing the fuck up, <laughs> depending on what happens. Yeah. So um, the other piece of Boston news, I guess, we have to talk about is uh, Brad Marchand gets six games. Uh, very lengthy suspension for sucker punching um, uh, Pittsburgh Penguins goalie Tristan Jari. I I don't know if I, I'm interested to see. I'll, I'll get your take because you you know my take given the uh, group chat. What was your take on the suspension? Um, it seemed pretty fair in NHL terms. Like I wouldn't mind them going aggressive. We've talked about this before, but as far as the NHL goes, what Marshawn did was really fucking unnecessary so he kind of made his bed and he's gonna have to lie in it yeah and like i've seen a couple people like jeff o'neill was one on overdriver who was like he just touched him with the stick and barely like he swatted out i was like he sucker punched a goalie and yeah, like obviously, and then sticked him in the head <laughs> yeah and then sticked him in the head and like i got obviously in a discussion with our, our friend nick in, in our group chat today who's a bruins fan i believe uh, about you know should he be suspended or not and he was saying no because the goalie's just another player after the whistle and that is just objectively false in my opinion well, even if it's true a decent precedent to set i would argue <laughs> and i would think anyone else would agree is that you can't use your stick as a weapon yeah and you can't just like, sucker you can't sucker punch a guy who like is I call it defensive, defenseless. Maybe that's a little aggressive, but Jari is literally looking down to go scoop up the puck as he gets sucker punched. Yeah, like sucker punching is bad, <laughs> and uh, using your stick as a weapon is bad. <laughs> yeah, those, and like those are pretty reasonable arguments, in my opinion. And this whole idea that he, just because he didn't actually connect with Jari's head and cause like serious injury with the the stick doesn't mean you should let that go. That doesn't make it okay. Yeah, no, not at all. The the intent to do so is what the thing is. And I do think that if this was any other player, you would probably get like one, maybe two games. But because it's Marshawn, he got six. But he deserves that because he's built this reputation himself. Yeah, I'm not going to I'm not going to cry tears of uh, sympathy for Brad Marshawn that his reputation cost him because uh, there's a real cost to playing like that. And if you can't handle it, the logical thing to do is to not play like that. Exactly. It's just like it, it, him and Tom Wilson. It's the same stuff over and over again. They do something stupid. And then the people who try to defend them go, well, if this was anyone else, you wouldn't care near as much. It's like, yes, because 
the other person, this imaginary person in your fantasy world hasn't done this exact same thing nine times or something like it, you know? Yeah. And it's just, and that's the thing with Marchand too. And just like, I, I don't know, like I didn't watch the game, but I saw like six different clips or three different clips at least of him in that game, just being an asshole, trying to start shit. Like he swatted the puck away from Jari when he was trying to give it to a fan too. And people were tweeting about how funny that was. It was like, whatever, like that's just, it just kind of seems like an unnecessary thing to do. But then it's like, if you're going to do that, you can't just go sucker punch a dude, like the same guy actually, and then try and use your stick to at his head. Like, it's just, you, I, I don't even know what to say. Like, I, I can't believe there's people like he didn't deserve a suspension for this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the, the fan one, you can kind of come out from two different angles. It was kind of funny. Probably sure, a dick like, move to the kid who was going to get the, the puck, though. It was, I, I thought it would have been, yeah, it, it definitely. And that's the thing, right? Like, I don't, I'm, I don't feel bad for Jari or anything that he had the puck stolen no, from him. Definitely not Jari. But yeah, it was just like, it was kind of one of those things where it's like, I feel like it would have been funnier if he just knocked it off his stick and kept skating. But he literally just like took the puck and was like, no, this fan's not getting anymore. It's like, okay, well, sure, whatever. Like, again, I don't even feel that bad for the fan. Like, just sure, it kind of sucks, but it is what it is. Like, at least that's yeah, just being it's just kind of a dick move. It's yeah, exactly. But it's like, if you want to do that, that's fine because that's not going over a line. It's not just being a dick to sucker punch a guy who doesn't see it coming. That is just being reckless and dangerous. Yeah, exactly. So there's a uh, tent danger there. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I, I will say the best tweet I, I saw about uh, in related relation to it was uh, I'm trying to pull it up here because I want to give. Oh, it was Jay Fresh who, who tweeted. He goes, imagine he turns up now in Beijing uh, because I, I don't know if you remember, <laughs> but Marshan's thing was like, I'll get suspended if it means I can go to the Olympics or whatever. But that would have been funny. Yeah. Um, that's enough uh, Boston news. I think uh, we got to. <laughs> Uh, so can Canadian teams to talk about or canning their coach uh, start with the first one here. Uh, the Montreal Canadians announced after they got destroyed by the New Jersey Devils seven to one on Tuesday night, uh, they come out and they fire Dominic Ducharme on Wednesday and hire Martin St. Louis as their interim head coach. Uh, they made it very clear that the interim tag is there. It's only to the end of the year. Um, I had, this is really interesting to me. Like really, you could come at this a lot of different ways. And I've listened to a lot of different takes on this over the past couple of days. Um, what seemed clear was that, uh, that just drubbing from, from the devils who, by the way, got their ass kicked by Ottawa the night before was are without Hughes right now too. Like Ottawa destroyed them. Uh, well, that destroyed is a, maybe an aggressive word. I think it was four one. And, but like Ottawa wasn't in danger of losing the game at any point. Um, New Jersey comes back on the back-to-back and just kills Montreal. And they had just said, all right, the room is gone. It's time to get rid of this guy. My first reaction was why now? In terms of the rebuild, right? I kind of wondered that too. So that was my first thing because it's like, obviously the Habs want to lose this year and Tusharm is doing a great job. However, I will admit that, you know, there are... I think intangibles get overrated, but if you lose a room so badly where like, and and let's be honest, there will be a lot of roster turnover with this team, but at least half the players are coming back next year. Oh yeah. Plenty of them. Well, and if you're their contracts, right? Like, yeah, their cap situation (laughs) has made it such that they, uh, they kind of have to. And if you're a GM, everyone importance back basically. Yeah. And like, and you're not trading Nick Suzuki or Cole Caulfield, right? 
Yeah, like who's not coming back? Ben Sherratt, like boo-hoo. Probably Tyler Toffoli, like yeah. But maybe Hoffman. If yeah, really. Like, it, there's been some rumors about PJ, but the the point is, a lot of these guys are coming back, right? And you cannot, if you're a GM like Gorton's coming in. Yes, it's easy to sell like as a tanking thing of just like, oh, I want to evaluate the whole year. But if it is this obvious that they've lost the room and like we can tell like this team just they get killed night after night and just do not care. Yeah, they're dead last in goals for percentage and expected goals for percentage in the league. There is no reason for this team to have worse metrics than the freaking Coyotes and Sabres. Like they're (laughs) bad, but Jesus Christ. And like worst point, but like they're gonna win, like they're gonna be the last team in the league. And like I'm pretty sure it was Jay Fresh who tweeted out that they were the the third worst team since like expansion era in terms of goals for percentage. Yeah, they're worse than the McEichel tank sabers. Yeah, like, like it's just it's hard to explain how bad. So like they've obviously quit. Like I, I do kind of understand where it's like, okay, this situation has gotten so toxic. There is no possible way we can let this guy stay for the rest of the year because it's so toxic. It's going to hurt the future of this team now too. Right. And again, I don't, maybe that'll just be hindsight bias. If it, or, you know, maybe it'll be a discuss like a bad future anyways. I don't know, but I can at least understand that logic of thinking. And the other thing is like Cole Caulfield was playing on the fourth line. That's what I was just going to say. I feel like you can justify it just in terms of Caulfield's development. Like you bring in the player's coach. Also like Suzuki's um, offensive game has gone nowhere. Right. So mm-hmm. you can so at it, least experiment there. Yeah. And if that's not happening, it's like, Hey, well, what is the point of losing all these games? You know, like, yeah. So, yeah. So they, that, that was when I kind of switched. And then, I thought that bringing in St. Louis was even weirder at first because the dude has been, he has no coaching experience except for his 13 year old son's triple a team where he was the assistant, which is hilarious, <laughs> which is objectively funny, but I've kind of come around to this idea too. We just like said, just getting a player's coach. Yeah. And just like yeah. try someone completely new. Like yeah, who cares if I, he doesn't experience because the worst case scenario, you keep losing anyways, and you just move on in the off season, right? Yeah, just try weird shit. Um, yeah, if and he like, sucks, he sucks. That's fine. But if he's good, it's like, well, we hired an outside of the box coach to help us just survive this year, and maybe maybe he's your coach to you know for next year too or whatever, right? And um, I was listening to St. Louis press conference from today, I believe it was, and it, it's some really like cool things too, where he was like, I don't want to let like systemize my best players too much. I, he was like, when I was playing, I hated when like you had to play a direct system where you couldn't, you weren't allowed to do anything because the best players, the reason they're the best is they can make reads. No one else sees. So he's like, I want to let my best players make those reads. And I don't know if the Habs really have those players to really be able to make those reads. But the one thing I love that he said, and we'll see if it's true by the way he actually acts, but he goes, I would rather a player make a bad read and make the mistake and try and have to learn from it for next time than not make the read at all. And that is super important to me, especially when it comes to young guys like Cole Caulfield trying stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And we've heard people say shit like that and then do a complete 180 on it. But if that is the way he thinks and judging by the kind of creative offensive talent he was when he played, that seems pretty reasonable to me. Um, It's worth a shot if nothing else. Yeah, exactly. Right. So 
Yeah, to me, I, I this was one where I really thought it was super strange at the start of the year. Um, but, you know, kind of makes more sense to me now. I, I will say, like, one thing I've seen people bring up is just, like, why is Martin St. Louis doing it? Like, what is the what is the peak of what happens here where he, cause he's not coming in and turning this team around to like, a, like above 500 team while he's taking over. Right. But so it's like, well, what is the like best outcome for him here where it's like, I'm sure he probably could have, maybe he just wanted to skip right to the, the NHL. And he thinks an NHL head coaching job is cool. I don't know, but that was the only thing, but he, even then, like, who cares? Like if he wants to do it, that's great. Um, I, I think it makes sense at least enough for, the team, like all team, all parties involved, because how a how much worse can Montreal get? And b, if it's gotten so bad, you needed to make a change. Well, whatever. It seems like an okay change to make. Yeah, yeah. Like we kept saying, it can't hurt to try, right? Yeah, exactly. And like, I get it. It's not technically like a completely out of the box hiring because it is still just a former NHL player, but like. How often have we said we would rather see something completely new versus the same 39 coaches get recycled for 32 jobs? Exactly. So I can't fully go and complain when they actually do something new, right? Yeah, yeah you're going to have to try weird stuff like this eventually. It's awfully convenient. He's a previous NHL player and stuff, but I don't know. At least he had some offensive acumen to his game. Basically, your hope here is that he can save Caulfield and make Suzuki into a not horrible offensive player. Yeah. Um, the other thing about Montreal, I, like if I were them, and they're not going to do it because he's only 22, quote unquote, but I would be moving on from Romanov right now. Yeah, if people still care about Romanov, that would definitely be the smart thing to do. Um I don't know if people do still care about Romanov. Probably, given the way like Ristolainen just went for a first. Yeah, I've definitely heard mixed reviews of like some people definitely are really low on him, even that are like norm, like people who you would assume would maybe be higher on him, generally speaking. So if there's not a if there's not value for him there, I'll probably just keep him. But like, if some team is even willing to give you like a second round pick for him at this point, I think you almost just move him. Like. Oh, yeah, if you could get something like that, I would do it without question. He has been atrocious since coming over, and that includes last season when, like, they weren't an absolutely pathetic team. Yeah. Yeah, it's should, been horrible the whole time. Yeah, I shouldn't, maybe he wasn't atrocious last year, but he wasn't anything special, that's for sure. No, and he didn't really show, I think, like, Berkshire's talked about this, too. Like, it just doesn't seem like there's offensive upside there, and there never really was, even yeah, though he got people, talked about. That was the thing. People tried to paint him that. And when Berkshire was on our podcast, he said, that's not what he is at all. Yeah. Oh yeah. It was on our podcast. That's why I heard it. <laughs> we have great guests. That's all I can say. Um, that's true. Better hosts. But, uh, yes. Yes. Um, the other Canadian team that fired their head coach uh, that this come, came today and that's the Oilers with uh, Dave Tippett. Um, the Oilers, they obviously after that, Evander Kane, signing they they won a couple games but i think they're start they've started to slide again um i hadn't paid a bunch of attention to them but i knew things were getting bad when they were starting mike smith in a back-to-back um <laughs> last night and he yeah. let in the first two two shots that he faced and then got the bronx cheer for a dump in save on the third one um yeah thanks for that one chris i uh i didn't realize 
I wasn't paying any attention to that game, but <laughs> that made it, me laugh last night. So good. Um, but yeah, they're they're five, four, and one now in their last ten. Um they are fifth in the division, and I want to say they're fifth in the division by points percentage as well. Um, they got 49 and 44, so maybe they're ahead of the Ducks, but uh, I don't even think so. Like, I think they're they're out of a playoff spot by points percentage as well, just barely. But, like, the fact that we're having this conversation, especially in this bad of a division, is frankly insane still. Um, and I, I don't know if <laughs> – like I, I really don't know if this is a Dave Tippett issue. I, I think this is a roster issue more than anything else. Yeah, I'm not like I'm pretty certain Dave Tippett isn't a great coach. That's like going to be sorely missed. But I'm also pretty certain this isn't exactly his fault either. He definitely feels like one of those guys where he just kind of he doesn't make a positive impact one way or the other. He's or an impact like one way or the other. Yeah, like maybe he leans a little bit on the negative. Because, yeah, like I'm not sitting here completely defending Dave Tippett saying, this guy's an amazing coach. How could you fire him? Mm-hmm. I just don't think, like, what was he supposed to do with this defense core? Yeah. And, like, like they're an average-ish play-driving team, which is fine. But, like, you have the best two best players on earth. And, like, they're getting PDO'd, sure, but also... Connor McDavid's worst career on ice shooting percentage is after you signed Zach fucking Hyman to be a star winger. Like, wow, I'm shocked. Yeah. And, and that's the thing too, is like, I, I don't know if this is Tippett or management or McDavid or all three, but whoever made the decision that Hyman needs to be stapled to one of dry side or McDavid's wing deserve, they deserve a lot of the blame here because yeah, that's the one thing. If that's Tippett's decision, which you have to at least assume it is, even though it might not be really sticks out as a dumb thing that he's done. Yes, because it's just like, like I'm a broken record here. How many times have we talked about this stupid roster? Yeah. But like, and like specifically with the high, like Hyman's great at so many things, but he's been a God awful shooter basically his entire career, except for the last year in which he got a humongous contract. Yeah. Uh, And like they had, a. sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Oh, he's just not a talented shooter. Yeah, and like, like, and it's obvious. Yeah, that's fine. That's okay. He can do other things, but you got to use him in those other things. You know, like, yeah. Yeah. And they just say, like Ken Holland, like it will never not. It it, it's still, I think, under talked about even in statistical circles here that this dude had. I'm doing the math right now. uh, Fifteen point five. I've about $19 million this offseason to spend. And he went and spent 5.5 on Zach Hyman, 5.5 on Duncan Keith, 4.5 on Tyson Berry, and 3.25 on Cody Cece. What the fuck? Yep. And the saddest thing is, I honestly thought it was going to be worse with the, the Berry extension, but like... Yeah, and, like, just... and even the Darnell Nurse one, like Darnell Nurse has been better than I expected too, and his 9.25 kicks in next season. How it hasn't started yet. That's funny. Yeah, and like Nurse hasn't been great, but yeah, he's been better than expected. But the Barry one and the CC one and Keith and just what a stupid team. They deserve everything that's coming to them. God, it's amusing to watch. Oh, it is just unbelievable. And 
it just pisses me off talking about them because the, the thing is too the media is so up to bat for them that like oh like, yeah do, and like do you remember when they, specifically oh, do you remember when they won like eight of their first 13 or 14 games or whatever and the oil that the edmonton media was doing victory laps of like this proves that holland's a genius and their offseason was amazing this team has undisputedly got the depth scoring now it's like what are we doing here just legendary shit oh it's How just unbelievable so like, I, there. I yeah, love like, watching Edmonton fail this is awesome it's it's insane and like so I don't I don't even know what like so um uh I'm trying to get the name of the guy who is they also fired their assistant coach Jim Playfair who I never heard of before uh Jay Woodcroft who I believe was their AHL head coach he is taking over um I don't like the only thing I can see him doing, like if it was Tippett is spreading out the depth a little more. That's what you have to do. Yeah. And even that, like, I don't think a maximized Oilers roster is good at this point. It's not great. Is it better than last year's though? It probably is. Right. Yeah. Like having Zach Hyman legitimately on your third, and maybe even with like an RNH. And I hate to say it, but Evander Kane. Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly, right? Like if you're, if you play Kane, Dreisaitl, uh why am I blanking on his name? Um, who goes on the right wing with Dreisaitl? Yamamoto. Uh, okay. And then like McDavid, Pugliarvi, and insert your left winger there. Um, literally whoever. Tyler Benson. I, I really don't care. Like whoever, yeah. right? And then your third line is McDavid's Connor Sheary, just someone you can prop up. Exactly, right? And then your third line is Hyman, R&H, and Warren Fogle, Cassian, whoever, right? Again, put a a name there. Um, Like, that is an actually, like, fine, good third line. Like, Nugent Hopkins is not a third liner. Neither is Zach Hyman. They they would feast against third line matchups. Yep. And, like, that would actually be an okay team. But, again, like, the fact that the maximized – roster for this team is okay in a bad Pacific division with the two, like with the best player on earth and a top 10 top five player as well. That's pathetic. Yep. Well, and also like the, the one sort of excuse they have to lean on is their PDO is pretty bad. Um, But the Leafs who don't have the best player in the world, we're getting PDO'd equally as bad, and they're actually good, and they did smart things with their money, so they were anti-fragile enough to stay afloat while getting PDO'd early in the year, and now they're great because that's what smart teams are able to do. And the PDO thing with the Leafs, too, is even more insane because Jack Campbell's been like a sub-900 goalie for the last month, and they still just keep winning because they actually made a smart investment in stuff, right? Like. Yeah, they have legitimate, like they found Michael Bunting, which the Oilers have not found a signing like that literally since Connor McDavid's been on the team. Or even close to that, like they haven't, the Oilers haven't even found an Andre Kasha signing. Yeah. Or a David they, Camp. They, I was just going to say they could use David Camp, which I like David Camp. Uh, I think he provides a decent value for $1.2 million. But a team that fancies itself a cup contender that could use a David Camp is a sad sentence. Yeah, like it's just oh I I can't talk about this team anymore. It hurts my heart. I know I'm gonna be just as angry at this next freaking topic though. So um 
<laughs> I guess we got to get into this. The there's going to be an NHL team. It sounds like playing in a five thousand seat arena for the next three years. This um, is epic. The memes will be so good for this one. So the if anyone's missed it, the Arizona Coyotes um, have signed a new deal in Tempe to build a new arena or upgrade. The, I think the current arena that is there, maybe. I'm just trying to pull up the actual report here. Uh, sorry. But basically until then, because it's I think it's three years from now, at least that uh, is the earliest they're going to be allowed in that Tempe arena. They're going to split the the arena that uh, the Arizona Sun Devils play in ASU or Arizona State University. Yeah, that's the Sun Devils, I think. Um, and that arena sits 5000 people. Like. I. What are we doing? I didn't know that was allowed, to be honest. It shouldn't be. Imagine if the <laughs> Ottawa Senators tried to say we want to play in front of 5,000 people. That team would be moved out of their, out of Ottawa so quickly. Immediately. I, I, Gary Bettman has done a lot of things for this stupid organization. And when I say stupid organization, I don't mean the fans. Yes, I get there are diehard Coyotes fans. There's just not enough of them. I'm sorry. Yeah, and that sucks for them. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, not their fault. I hate it when people try to make it seem like it's their fault because it's obviously not. But Yeah, but the fact of the matter is their ownership, management, everything to do with the organization has either A, done a shitty job trying to market to the locals, and that includes the current arena placement. Like apparently it's way out of the way in terms of like actually in um, cause it's in Scottsdale, I think, which is like from why I've never been to Arizona, but, or uh, Glenn's Glendale or Scottsdale. It's one of the I two, but Glendale. It, yeah, it was but it, Scottsdale is Glendale. If I remember correctly. And I think both of them are like not really ideal locations from what I've heard. I've never been to Arizona, but, but like that, that's on ownership, you know? And whether or not it's a marketing problem or whether or not it's just a location and it will never work in Arizona. One thing is clear. This has not worked. And for a number of years. Yep. And like, I don't even, I'm trying to look 2011 NHL attendance. Cause the other thing is too, like, so there was a couple of, like, it really wasn't, it was five or six years ago when like people were ragging on the Carolina attendance. Um, because yeah. They were bad, right? Well, Carolina sells out just about, or it's close to selling out every game now because they're good again. And really? I get that part of it is Arizona has not been good for a while, but I am just looking up the 2010-11 NHL standings right now because I'm pretty sure either that year or a couple after. Okay, maybe it's a couple after now that I'm looking. No, even that year. The Coyotes uh, made the playoffs that year. They went... Yep. Uh, 43, 26, and 13, which put them third in the Pacific and about sixth in the in the uh, the West. Do you know where yeah, they ranked? Mike Smith run, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, 2011. Yeah. Do you know where they ranked in attendance that year? 29th out of 30 teams with an average <laughs> of 12,000 people at every game. Yep. This has not worked. For such a long time, it is beyond me how anyone could even remotely and reasonably think the solution to this is let them play in a 5,000-seat arena for a couple of years. 
yeah, it's just not going to work. You like they they have to be willing to at least consider that hockey just isn't going to work there. You would have to think so. And the thing is, like, you know, you all get all the obnoxious Canadians like us going, oh, Quebec City, move a team to Quebec City. Houston has already arena, a great population, and by all accounts, an owner who would be interested in buying an NHL team. Yep. And like Houston's why I think it's like the fourth biggest population in all the states. Yep, that seems pretty pretty logical. Houston, it's a sports city. It's got a lot of oil money, if I remember correctly. As yeah. well. Like, yeah, but it's a big it's because it's it's Texas. It's a big oil state. So but yeah, so this current agreement is they'll play all their home games in the venue 2022-23 through 2024-25 season. So that's three seasons with an additional option for the 25-26 season. I, I what a disaster. I'm speechless. I I just I, I I don't know. I don't. I don't know what to say. Yeah, and like it's just been. This has been so long coming. Like you remember when we were kids and Jim Balsillie tried to like buy them out and all their debt to move them here. Like yeah, to Hamilton. Yeah, it's just been such a problem for so long. I'm just reading through this thing now, and I might even be even more wrong in this than I are. Like I. It doesn't even seem like they're building an arena elsewhere. Yeah, they they're just they just have an agreement to play in ASU right now, and they're going to figure oh, out the arena down the down the road. That's always good. This will be an incredible, intimate, and exciting fan experience. The state of the state of the art new arena in a fantastic location, in the heart of Tempe. Wow! So like. And the biggest thing is, like, if this was just as simple as this team sucks and makes no money and lol, their owners lose lose money, it would just be a embarrassing for the league, but at least funny. But this affects every other team in the league because of the revenue sharing. Yeah, it brings everybody else down and brings salary cap down and all that fun stuff that isn't nearly as interesting to talk about, but it's definitely true. I I've done a lot of yelling on this podcast, dude, but I, I just, I, I don't know. I, I really, I can't believe that the league okayed this or it like it, the, this is a plan for a pro hockey league. And like, I've seen people be like, Oh, look at a couple what the couple of the teams had to do in the nineties when they started, this isn't the nineties. Look at how much every pro sport league has grown since the nineties. And you will see very quickly why this is mind blowing. Yeah, and like inflation's a real thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like all that good shit that you just have to be willing to completely ignore. Like it's it's so easy to see how sad this is. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I I, I don't know. And it's like, man, if it was one year, it would be bad enough. But if it was like, hey, like we just really don't have anywhere else to go. We have this new stadium that's nice and ready. But like we we have to play like a year, maybe even half a year in this five thousand seat stadium, and we're rebuilding anyways. I would be, I would probably change my tune a little bit. I'd be like, hey, this is embarrassing, but like, what else are you gonna do, right? Like, sure, if you need to make things work to make like to get it done, right? 
it's for minimum three seasons. Oh yeah, there's like definite ways in which you could um, you could justify it. Like it'd be it's not ideal ever, obviously, but you could at least come up with scenarios which you're like, this is fine. Yeah, and like, oh, I I don't even know what I was gonna say. I think I just lost my uh, my job. Oh yeah, no, sorry. The other thing that I, I read about this too is they basically have to pay all the rent up front because of how sketchy their uh, renting history has been or payment history has been at their current location. Yeah, I don't know if we ever talked about that. Weren't they late on a bunch of payments? Yeah, and then they claimed it was like a a, a human error and then the the person and then that they've squared it all up and then the arena or city was like, "No, they still owe us even more money and this has been a common issue." <laughs> so, like it's just a disaster. The one thing I will say and it doesn't make it less embarrassing, but I did see Jeffler tweet out or Jeff, Jeff Elliott. He said, this is in, in between, this is embarrassing for everyone involved other than ASU, basically, because they get an NHL team renting their building. And yep, as long as they, yeah, exactly. And as long as they actually sell out all 5,000 tickets, the atmosphere is going to be insanely cool to watch. And that is true. I, I will admit that if they, as long, but like, I'm not sure how embarrassing, hey, if, if they can't even sell that out, but you know, is, it's happening at least. <laughs> yes. But like, it, it is really, really cool. Like, I don't know if you, like, I, I don't watch a ton of college hockey, but seeing like the college hockey playoffs and just like, it, it reminds me of like um, baseball, how like a lot of the college hockey stadiums just look different, you know? And it yeah. that creates a really cool atmosphere because it, a lot of them are really condensed, but they fit like 4,000 people in. And those 4,000 people are usually just drunk college students making a ton of noise. So it's like an unreal atmosphere to be at from everything that I've heard. So like if they could at least do that, that is like the only even somewhat partially a little bit redeeming factor of this. Yeah. And, and that's it does, like the grasping at straws. It doesn't outweigh any of what we just said, but like that would just like, if I'm trying to find any positive, that at least would be the one. Yeah. So um, another report came out today. It was Frank Saravalli who uh, was just kind of talking about it in his column. And then uh, Jesse Granger uh, followed that up. Um, the, the report up saying, I'm going to get his uh, exact quote here. Um, for those of you who don't know Jesse Granger, he's covering the Golden Knights for the Athletic. Um, he, oh, now Jesse Granger has a uh, column out too. I haven't read that. But uh, so Frank Zervalli basically said that uh, uh, league sources speculate Captain Mark Stone could be placed on LTIR for most of the regular season, if not all of it, with his back injury. Uh, Jesse Granger quotes me that and said, according to Stone, the injury has been bothering him on and off, uh, dating back even further than just this season. Uh, said it's been bothering all year and he has missed four. Uh, missed games four separate times so not four games like he's missed time four different times um one where his back completely locked up on him so for this back issue um so he said don't be surprised if they take time to heal it uh, obviously this has everyone up in a frenzy just saying while they're doing the tampa thing like he's going to come magically off ltir for playoffs and yeah that's probably what's going to happen but um again why like more teams should be taking advantage of the cat now, you have to get this is a tough conversation because when you're talking about this, you have to remember they're humans. Yeah. And let's I, be honest, they are doing the Tampa thing. Yes, they, but, they absolutely. But also his I numbers are way worse this year than they are in the past. He's 
legitimately hurt if they're doing this. They're not fucking morons. Yeah, well, and this is the same thing with the the Kucherov thing last year. You don't think Tampa wanted Kucherov for the entire season? Like, obviously, they yeah. were like, we can get by if we need to without him. But you think they want to just skip a 120-point player because, just for fun. You know, they, they don't want that guy. What, yeah. what are we talking about? You don't think the, the Golden Knights want their captain on the ice? Yes, yeah, of, course of course they, they do. do. But, yes, like, uh, he's legitimately here, and you can tell. Like, he just doesn't look like the same player. So, it's like, it makes logical sense to let him heal and heal him like this. And so, when I use the word lucky you need to be quote unquote lucky obviously it's not a good thing that mark stone is hurt or he's in pain or anything like that and you, you don't wish an injury on anyone right i have to just preface that whole thing but to do the whole like over the cap thing you know you do need someone who is legitimately hurt and is okay with sitting for a, an extended amount of time yeah, you need the stars to align. Luck is the wrong word, but like, let's be honest, it's in a twisted, perverse way. It is luck. Yes, if you're taking the human element and just an asset management standpoint, you need to get lucky. Yeah. If we want to talk about that. And again, maybe that's dumbing it down way too much to the point where it's gross. And I, I don't want like Mark Stone's my, I have a jersey of Mark Stone hanging on my wall right now. I don't want to see him hurt. I don't want to see him out or anything like that. But like, I just, I, 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 I felt like I said, I said the same thing last year. I don't care. Like the, in terms of the, the cap stuff. Not better, better than I don't care. I love smart teams having the incentive. Exactly. Well, like, like you, you can gain an edge by being smart and obviously you have to be a little lucky to do it too, but like, that's cool. That those should exist, right? There should be avenues for intelligent teams to have a huge edge on the Edmonton Oilers. Especially with such a complicated cap system such as this. Like, yep. So it's cool. It makes it more interesting. I'm sure yeah. the casual fan doesn't really care, even though they can get the general idea really easily, but like it's it's interesting. Yeah. And it might make the Knights like a super team. Look at what's happened in basketball today. Like huge trades and super teams and stuff are really interesting and good for the sport. Yeah, exactly. Like it's, I, I, I really, I genuinely have never understood people just bitching that, you know, people found a way around the stupid cap rules. Yeah. Like I, I just, I, I can't probably same with the whole thing when Tampa won the club, Oh, $110 million payroll. It's like, Good any team. Yeah, good for them. Like any team could have like taken guys on LTIR, increased their payroll. And then it's like any team with an injury, if your star goes down, you could go out and acquire someone else or acquire a star. That's like not a Jack Eichel was not a, a guarantee to come back from a surgery. 100%, right? Like that was the reason yeah. Buffalo wasn't letting him get the surgery, but Vegas was smart enough to take him, stash him on LTIR, let him get the surgery, which has now worked out. Not even just like, as good as they were hoping, but even better because he's back way quicker than any previous timeline had him. And they're going to be able to use him because without even maybe having to trade an asset. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's so funny. Like imagine Moneyball if instead of, if people were like, oh, well, I hate the ace. Well, you're just smarter than everyone else. Like it's not a chirp. <laughs> the $110 million thing in this, like it's a good thing. Yeah, exactly. It like shows organizational competence. Yeah, and, and yeah, exactly. Like 
and because they and people are so mad, but it's like, well, they identified that they were going to have this cap space all year, so they went out and added at the deadline. Now you can argue their additions might not have been the best thing. Like I think they picked up David Savard for a first or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, the type of trade that gets you flamed if you do literally anything but win the cup. Exactly right, but it's like they they went out and identified that they could add cap because they knew that. Whereas like. There are absolutely teams in the league. Well, I don't know. We we still have this guy who might need to come back, or uh, I'm not sure. Like we don't want to go give up assets because we're not sure how this guy's going to be. And like Tampa and now Vegas, like no f that. We want to win. Yep. So, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've never never understood the the complaining about it. I, I don't care. And if anything, I'm definitely like you, where I I, I like to see people actually like using their head. Um, so yeah, it makes the smart sport interesting and slightly less random, which I believe to be good things for it. Yep, absolutely. Um, I don't have much more. There was a couple small signings that I thought we might have to talk about, but um, don't really need to. Okay, no, I, I do have one thing because I, I pitched this to you over um, the phone. So the Blues signed Robert Pertuzzo to a two-year deal at 950k per, and Logan Brown to a one-year deal at 750k per um, this week. This week, sorry. Um, I don't care about the deals themselves, whatever they're, they're variable. Like I'm, I'm cool. It's cool to see Logan Brown carve out a little niche, you know, after he hasn't been able to crack through with Ottawa, obviously. Um, so happy for him there. My bigger question, and it comes kind of in the same way Tampa did. So Tampa signed Patrick Maroon to a two-year deal at one mil per what as a GM and incentivize you to go like, I need to sign my 12th best forward to a two-year contract 42 games into the current season. Yeah, that's really strange. Unless you just think you're smarter than everyone else. So two of them I can maybe Patrick Maroon one. Maybe you're just like like obviously he sounds everyone loves him. Maroon right? makes some sense. Right? Yeah. Like he, he is fine. a good forward. And it's just like you just want to go, okay, here's hard work getting rewarded. We want to keep this guy around. We like him, sure, whatever. Logan Brown. Maybe you're like, hey, I think there might even be another step Brown can take here. I want to lock him down at 750 because I know we're going to need these cap savings in the summer or whatever, right? Kind of get that one. Where is the growth from Robert Bertuzzo coming? Yeah, I have no idea. You just signed a 32-year-old defenseman to a two-year deal. And granted, maybe like... Maybe his whole thing was like, if you wait till the off season, I'm going to ask for 1.375 like I'm at now. And, but if you sign me into a two-year deal now, I'll only take nine, I'll take 950. And they felt the 400 K was worth it. But like, I don't know, man. Like it, I was just kind of, I was sitting there and I just went, I wonder what the possible reason to sign a Robert Bertuzzo type deal mid season would be because that type of player is available very readily in, in the summer. Yeah, and like, you know how you always hear about like people always saying, "Oh, we fans, you don't get it." Sometimes when weird shit happens, it's like to appease an agent or stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I always wonder whenever something like this happens, like, hmm, I wonder if this guy's represented by like David Perron's agent or something. Yeah, very well, or even just a random free agent they want to go get in the summer or something like that, like. And, and who knows? Maybe it's just as simple as they like his leadership or whatever and want to keep him around. And you yeah, know, and honestly, that thing, probably but... is what it is. <laughs> yeah, they probably but... legitimately think he's just like a good defenseman or whatever. But like, I, I yeah, that was just one of those things where it's like it just felt like 
at the very least, they could have waited a couple more months, but whatever. Like, I just, I wasn't sure if you had any more ideas than me because I was sitting there and I was like, there's very few things that I can like tangibly point at and be like, that makes sense to me. But yeah, unless it's like a, yeah, a leadership thing or whatever. Yeah. So, um, I don't have anything other than uh, congrats to Cami Granado for being named assistant general manager of the Canucks. Um, they are dead. The Canucks are definitely taking by storm the diversifying the front office. And that's cool. I, I'll give them that. That is uh, good to see. Um, other than that, I don't have anything this week. Do you? No, I don't work so. All right. We'll wrap it up there then. Uh, I actually had a post uh, yesterday or today, I guess uh, I wrote about Adam Gaudet with the Ottawa senators and that he's probably played himself into a contract for next year. He has been unreal with Ottawa. Uh, so if you want to read that, you can go to last word on hockey.com. Uh, you can check all my work out there. You can also find me on Twitter at NHL sends and stuff, chases stuff at actionnetwork.com and chase on Twitter at CM hockey 66. Uh, as always, thank you everyone so much for listening and we will talk to you all next week.